1: Episode 57, Optimize Your Life. Hey, Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of All. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien.
2: And I'm Katie Welsh.
1: How are you doing today, Katie?
2: I'm good. I was actually just thinking we should probably vary it up a little bit with the intro to our show. Like, that's what we say every every episode.
1: Well, it's funny that you say that because... We've already edited the next episode that goes after this. <laughs> and then you managed to make a complete disaster out of the new intro. So I'm glad you brought up that we need to do something different. <laughs> well,
2: for later on, maybe we can get a little creative.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, a lot of people like listening to the beginning. They like a brief introduction. So let us know on Twitter what kind of introduction you prefer. You can tweet us at Chain of Wealth on Twitter. So, yeah, definitely let us know, did you prefer like a longer introduction, a shorter introduction? Just get out your phone and do it now. It'll take two seconds. We'll wait. Okay. Okay, We're basically (laughs) done waiting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today's episode is we're going to be chatting with Matt, who actually lives right near us. He can actually see our apartment from his apartment, which is kind of creepy, if you ask me.
3: Yeah, but...
2: Thankfully, we kind of live in like a cave, so we don't really have very many windows, so nobody can actually look in.
1: You make it sound like such a warm home we live in, Katie.
2: Uh, well, it is. It is <laughs> definitely a warm home, but even when we were looking for this apartment, rent in this area is so expensive. We wanted to live in this building, and I kind of told asked the guy when we were talking to him, I was like, "Well, do you have anything a little bit cheaper like that is kind of like a cave maybe that could work and he was like actually we do so in my mind i kind of refer to this place as a cave but i love it
1: yeah i, I mean it. it definitely is a nice place anyway you want to dive into into our interview sure awesome let's do
0: it welcome to chain of wealth here's your host dennis inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom
1: Hey Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today we have Matt Lane with us. Matt is the author of the blog, Optimize Your Life. As a part-time blogger and full-time attorney, husband and new father, Matt's goal is to help people learn the purpose of money to allow us to live a happier life. So we need to focus on the big picture of how to build that happy life rather than just focusing on the money and, fun fact, we randomly found out that we're neighbors, Welcome, Matt.
2: (laughs) Hi, Matt. Thank
3: you. Hi, how are you?
2: Good. Uh, So you're, um, since you're our neighbor, you're also a local to D.C. What do you like to do um, when people come to visit you from out of town?
3: Yeah, well, I think it depends on uh, whether they're new to D.C., whether they've been here a bunch of times. The first go-to is always the, um, the monuments and the museums. Uh, which seems to be pretty obvious for, for DC locals Um, free and amazing for people that haven't been there before. Um, It's really like the essence of DC for folks that have been there before and have done all the museums. There's really a great restaurant scene here now, which is uh, pretty interesting. And there's a lot of good um, breweries and wineries in the area. So depending on what people's interests are. I like to hit those up.
1: Awesome. So let's chat about your blog a little bit. So your blog optimize your life. You had a popular post that was titled hard work doesn't pay. Can you tell us a little bit
3: about it? Sure. So the idea behind it is that there are, there's a large change going on in the economy. Uh, and we are not really adjusting to meet that change. Um, so as, as basic as background, um, it's dealing with the value of capital versus the value of labor. So a quick explanation there is um, the money, any money that changes hands is either going to capital or to labor. So if I make money, I either make money by working, which is labor, or by making money off of my investments, which is capital. Um, in the same way, if I buy something from Walmart, Part of that money goes to the shareholders, which is the capital, and then part goes to the workers, whether they're the folks working the floor, the cashier, the manufacturer, the truck driver that delivers it. That's all labor. So uh, what we've seen from the data is that from at least the 1400s through around 1970, the share of money going to capital and the share of money going to labor has been relatively consistent. There's been some ups and downs. There's been sometimes when capital makes a bit more, sometimes when labor makes a bit more, but it's relatively consistent. Since 1970, that has been off the charts. We've been, the value of labor has been going down, down, down. The value of capital has been going up, up, up. And this is a huge change that we're not really addressing at all. Um, And it's one of the drivers of inequality that we see right now in that the people with the most Stock are generally the people with the most money, and the people that rely the most on work are the people that are the poorest. So as it gets easier to make money off of stock, the rich are getting richer, and as it's harder to make money off of your labor, the poor are struggling more and more.
1: It's definitely an interesting area that we're going to. Have you given some thoughts to AI about that at all, and you know, sort of what the future will hold with? AI eventually starting to replace jobs that we start doing.
3: Yeah. And I, I think, um, artificial intelligence is definitely one of the, one of the drivers behind this, um, globalism as well in the U S it's going faster than in the rest of the world. So we're seeing, it's also the decline of unions and deregulation deregularization, um, deregulations. <laughs> deregulation, deregulation <laughs> early. Don't worry. <clears throat> yes. Um, so, uh, deregulation and the decline of unions are sort of speeding that along. Um, But I don't see any real way to change this trend. I'm sure there must be one, but with AI and globalization kind of just pushing relentlessly, you know, it seems like we may need to go to something like a universal basic income or, uh, you know, some other method of redistribution to to address the trend.
2: So where did the idea from for your blog come from?
3: So I I get sort of obsessive about learning different things. um, And I've gone through a lot of different phases of that. Um, Happiness and psychology, um, economics and economic policy, uh, personal finance, financial independence. And I hit a point where enough people were asking me for advice on all of those different topics that I thought it might make sense to, uh, to write about it publicly that there may be some value there for, for people that I, you know, that were not in my friend circle. Um, so I decided to, uh, to start working on that. And I felt like, um, they could all be sort of drawn together by the idea that they all contribute towards living a better life.
1: Fantastic. So what would you say some of your goals are for optimize your life?
3: I think for the most part, I want to help people look at the bigger picture. Um, I consider myself in the personal finance space, uh, even though I spend maybe a third of my time talking about personal finance. But I I think one of the issues with a lot of um, personal finance writing is that you get bogged down in the details. You know, how can I save more money? How can I invest more? How can I make more? And that's all good, Uh, that all helps. But if you get too lost in the numbers, then you forget why you need more money, why you want more money. And it's important to remember that it's all for a greater purpose, that you need to you know, be able to step back, be able to work towards that happier life and not just more money.
2: So talking about money, you have had quite a few side hustles in your day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you had a favorite or a least favorite?
3: Sure. Um, and I, I think... I don't know, most of these, I don't know that I've considered them really side hustles. I just kind of take on work that I find interesting. Um, so my, you know, my version of the side hustle is not really, you know, driving for Uber or Airbnb and that sort of thing. Um, although I had a, a few conversations with um, Kevin from Financial Panther at FinCon, and he is he is the master at all of that. <laughs> um, but my my approach is more sort of, if something's interesting, I try it. Um, So to that end, I think the most fun that I've ever had on a uh, sort of side job was I played trumpet for the U.S. national tennis teams. So I would fly around to, you know, different stadiums in the country and play in basically a pep band for, you know, sold out stadiums. And it was Super fun, a lot of really cool um, and met a lot of, you know, great people and had a lot of fun. Wow, That's that really would be cool. cool. Yeah.
2: Have you had one that was not that great?
3: Um, I, <laughs> I uh, between law school and my current job, I had about six months where I was studying for the bar and then applying for government jobs and government hires much later than private sector jobs. So I was trying to make enough money to pay rent. And at that time, I was doing three separate part-time jobs, um, 30 hours a week at sort of a legal temp job. Um, But one of the other jobs was I counted passengers on the metro. So I was trained to look at the number on each metro car, on each subway car, and from that, know how many seats were in it. And then as it pulled into the station and out of the station, I was supposed to count the number of passengers in my assigned car, write it down, and then wait for the next train.
2: That's not a very long time to count all those people. That must have actually been <laughs> kind of hard.
3: It, it was tricky at first. It's it's uh, surprisingly difficult, but you, you kind of pick up the tricks. Um, and get good at sort of quickly eyeballing how many empty seats there are versus how many people are standing um, and and sort of estimate based on that.
2: I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: <laughs> I actually <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I actually had a random uh, train job as well where I had to count the coaches um, because the company that I was, well, the company I was contracted to, they didn't know how many trains they owned. So I was literally manually counting out. <laughs> the units of the um, each coach and each uh, locomotive and each actual train. It, it was quite an education. I must say <laughs> that's
3: interesting. <laughs> it's, it's always bizarre seeing sort of what jobs exist that you would never have thought could exist.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like it, it doesn't sound like a glorious job, but at the end of the day, each one of these trains are such, or each one of the sections is worth like $5,000 scrap value. So mm. even if you find one, it's worthwhile. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay.
3: Weird jobs out there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, well, you're also a new dad.
3: I am. I am.
2: Congratulations.
3: Thank you very much.
2: So what was the biggest shock when it comes to parenting? I know you can't, like, really be prepared, and you probably didn't <laughs> actually know what you were doing. But, like, what was the one thing that you were like, oh.
3: <laughs> yeah, I. so I will... Caveat this by saying I'm seven weeks in, and things could change a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at this point, I think I've been surprised that the actual sort of caring for a tiny human—that part of the job—has um, been easier than I expected. But the lack of sleep has been so much harder to deal with. You know, everyone tells you you're not going to get sleep, and you're—you know—you're prepared not to sleep as much. But sort of the downstream impacts of that, I, w- I was not fully prepared for.
1: I guess being tired really has a negative effect on you. So I can totally imagine I- I'll become a different person when I'm tired.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I actually, I recently published an article on how important sleep is to productivity. And I had planned the article before the baby was born. <laughs> and then I had done and I had done all the research and and then I, when I actually wrote it, um, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote it with the research and then saying, okay, yeah, this is true. (laughs) Here's, here's how this has affected my mood. Here's how this has affected my health. Here's how this has affected my productivity. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty intense.
1: Awesome. So do you have any tips or insight when it comes to paying for daycare since it's such a big expense?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Daycare is insane. Um, especially in, especially in this area, um, where we live. So we, um, my wife and I looked at a lot of different daycares in the area. Um, and for sort of the, the, um, certified safety, certified daycares you're looking at between 20 and 30,000 a year. Wow. Oh my Yeah.
2: That's
1: insane.
3: Yeah. The the median individual income in the United States is $30,000. Right. (laughs) So I, it's just bonkers and I don't understand how people without sort of being lucky enough to have our paychecks manage it. um, That's insane. Wow. Yeah. But it's, I think really the best advice is just sort of plan for it as best you can. You know, we, we picked our favorites and we looked towards the lower end of that spectrum and we got on wait lists. And it turns out we're almost to the point where we need to put them into daycare where my wife and I are both going to be working. And the only daycare that it looks like we're going to get off the wait list is the most expensive one. Of course. <laughs> of course. Probably because <laughs> of the
2: people who are. Taking their kid out, can't afford it.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you know, as much as I would love to be able to say, you know, here's a hack to getting cheaper daycare, I think the best approach is just plan ahead of time, try to get your expenses down so that you can handle it and, um, you know, figure out what works best for you and your family. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break
1: and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers! If you need any writing done, Katie's actually busy doing freelance writing at the moment. So hit up chainofwealth.com slash contact and you'll be able to fill in the contact form and get in touch with her. She's currently a very reasonable. So definitely check it out.
2: All right, Matt. So why do you think people struggle to achieve their dreams?
3: Well, that's a very large question. (laughs) (laughs) I think... So I think there are two, let me give two sort of parallel answers here. I think the first is that some people just don't have the opportunity and that's tough to hear. Um, But, you know, if you're working three minimum wage jobs to be able to feed your family, you don't really have the time to go after your goals. Um, It's, you know, there's, we live in a pretty unequal society Um, and, you know, there's, that's just a sort of a tough reality that we, that we face. Um, and that's not actionable for your listeners, but it's important to remember that, that, you know, if you have the opportunity to pursue goals, then you are already sort of in the privileged view. And that's something that, you know, we should all be grateful for and something that we should remember. Um but for more actionable (laughs) information that's actually useful for your listeners. um, I think that we tend to approach big goals as, you know, dreams that we hope come to us rather than problems that we need to solve. Um, For 2018 on my blog, I'm doing each month, I'm focusing on a different area of life and sort of working on how to improve that. And I started in January with Life planning, which was not something I had ever really spent any time on, or done any research on. So I read a ton of books, took you know some of the online courses, um, read as much as I could. And it everyone has their own spin, but it really breaks down to three steps: you pick an area of your life, and then you figure out where you are, where you want to go, and then a plan to get from A to B, right? And I think that that's what we need to be doing with our goals. We need to figure out what we really want. We need to figure out where we are relative to that. And we need to make a plan, a solid plan to get from where we are to where we want to be. And I think most people just don't actually break it down like that.
1: That is definitely actionable.
3: (laughs) So could you recommend any other
1: books or podcasts for our listeners?
3: Sure. Um, I'm sure that others, uh, because you have a lot of, personal finance guests. I'm sure that others have recommended um, your money or your life. I think that's sort of the most game changing book in the finance space. Um, But as to sort of success generally, I'd say Cal Newport has a couple of really good books, uh, deep work and so good. They can't ignore you. Um, And then on happiness, I think the how of happiness by uh, Sonia Lyubomorsky it's, just Google the how of happiness. <laughs> um, that's, I think, the best book in the space. It's it's very much research-based, so it's a bit drier, but it really is sort of, most books in, in happiness are sort of, here's what makes me happy. This book is, here's what study after study after study has shown works on the majority of people and gives you really actionable ways to make your life happier right now, which I think is, is great and really useful
2: and so many people need that kind of a like jump start
3: yeah yeah for sure
2: yeah so do you have a favorite quote
3: i kind of go through quotes depending on where i am in life um i think last year my my quote was um the way you do anything is the way you do everything um which the the sort of idea is there's no there's no small there are no small things right you're constantly creating who you are and you can't take shortcuts to that you know are you someone that half asses things are you someone that takes shortcuts um because if you do that on things that you feel like don't matter it becomes easier to fall into the habit of doing them on things that do matter and it's not always you know easy to delineate um and and to avoid that slippery slope um, as of right now, I don't know that they're necessarily quotes, but I have two post-it notes on my desk. Um, one is, one says, where is the resistance? Uh, which is this idea that there's always something that you're instinctively avoiding. And I've found that if you figure out what that is and go at that first thing in the day, the rest of the day will go so much smoother. Um, and it's, it's tough to do, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to sort of be like, okay, where's a big hurdle? Let me jump that. Um, but if you do that early in the day, everything else becomes easier. And so I've found that having that quote by my computer is really useful. The other one is I it just says progress, which is a reminder that even when something feels overwhelming, I need to just keep moving forward. A little bit of progress every day will eventually add up to something big. I don't need to knock it out of the park every day. Um, I just need to move forward.
1: That's definitely true. It's easy to lose track of where you're going to if you get stuck in the um, the rat race. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Awesome. Matt, we've loved hanging out today. What is the best advice someone has ever given you?
3: And then we'll say goodbye. Sure. So I, I think the I don't know that I would call it necessarily advice given to me, but I think the, the, um the most impactful advice that I've read was from uh, JL Collins, who's sort of one of the, the fathers of the financial independence movement. He was, um, one of the early bloggers there and his, he really sold the idea of, uh, what he calls FU money, which is basically saving up enough money that it doesn't matter what people think of you. Um, so that if someone tells you to do something, you can say FU, I'm not doing it, um, And I found that once I had a bit saved up, uh, I could be more open in disagreeing with my boss or with upper management at work um, because I wasn't afraid of losing my job. I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, paying rent next month if I lost my job today. Um, And that really made me a lot better at my job. It made my boss, it made upper management respect me more. It made me, they gave me more authority. They gave me more room to do what I thought was right. And this in turn led to raises, promotions, um, awards, and commendations that really never would have happened if I hadn't, you know, had that, that money saved up to be able to feel confident in, in you know, challenging the system. Um, you know, you're much better at anything when you aren't overly attached to it. and. I think that has been really powerful. I think in passing that on, I don't know that I would necessarily call that fu money for that particular approach, but I think maybe just saving up enough to buy yourself some confidence um, has been really powerful.
1: Chainz, we've been hanging out with Matt Lane. You can check out his website at optimizeyourlife.co. There's some great educational articles there. I highly recommend you check it out. And we've enjoyed hanging out today, so catch you on the flip side.